0: Welcome back. It's episode (laughs) 5000. I don't know what episode we're on at all. It's 132.
1: And we're we're still going. There was somebody that's like, episode numbers don't mean anything, but to me, they do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're the queen of episode numbers. I just show up and I'm just like, here I am. Um, There's a lot of episodes and they span years and years and that's all I know. Uh, I do know that like we always set like goals and we're like oh when we get to this episode we're gonna do something and like we normally forget to do it because like i don't know if we just like stop paying attention or whatever but like we need to get on that but mostly like post covid when that's over so maybe like episode 300 we'll do something because (laughs) it's gonna be a while uh hate to spoil alert for everybody that is thinking it's over it's not over especially if you're in florida it's really bad
1: um, in 2021 yes for That's sure
0: <laughs> i wanted to talk about um social media for a bit and about books because we're gonna start doing book giveaways on our instagram um as a lot of you know like we both really love books like uh if you've ever seen me do like a live on instagram or anything i pretty much do it with a bajillion books behind me on the bookshelf like books are life. Um, And so one of the great things about like entrepreneurship books and like books about owning small business and stuff is that you can learn just so much without really having to spend a lot of money or invest a lot, even a lot of time, you know, because you're just reading like one book and whether it's like a how-to or like maybe reading about the way somebody else did it, someone who you might not have access to. Um, like it's a great way to like pick people's brains, you know, cause I know people are always like, Oh, let me sit down and pick your brain. And it's like, ah, why don't you start with some books by entrepreneurs first? And then, then we'll maybe sit down for, for one of those things. But yeah, I definitely think that reading about, even if, if they don't run the same sort of business as you, there's a lot to be you know, there's a lot to learn from uh, different people in different industries. So I've read a lot of books by people that don't do anything in the wheelhouse of what I do. And sometimes those are the people that I learn the most from and are the most inspired from. Um, and it's again, it's not somebody that I would have talked to because they're not in my field. And it's not somebody who I would have like had access to having a conversation with. Um, so we definitely want to make sure this is a great time to read. A lot of us are hopefully being home more because it's safer. So if you're home more, you might have a little bit more time on your hands. And if you do, this would be like a great way to just kind of invest in yourself um, and just kind of learn some new things. So we're going to be doing book giveaways for the next few weeks, like every single week on Monday, we're going to announce it on Instagram with a post on Wednesday. We'll be talking about which book it is on the podcast. So we'll just kind of give you like a little brief overview Um, of what the book is about. And then on Fridays, we're going to announce a winner. And we will also put like the directions um, inside the post for like what to do. But it's pretty simple. You just have to follow Heart and Hustle Podcasts on Instagram. And then to enter, you'll just put a comment and tag one person. So it's a very, very simple. We don't want to make it super complicated. Super, super simple way to enter. Um, But yeah, and then hopefully if you don't win, um, you will also consider buying that book if you were interested in it from a small black owned bookshop. So we'll definitely make sure that we have those resources for you. I've during like the book, the uh, black book buyout, I ordered from a lot of different shops because I wanted to kind of see how different shops did things or whatever. So um, I have like a list of those so that you know, they're already vetted, you already know they're awesome shops and everything. Um, So yeah, that's I just wanted to make sure that we know all about that before we get into the topic of Florida being really scary right now and having all the cases. What are you Disney, about? You know, <laughs> and Disney being open and we're trying to figure out schools and school reopenings, which affects you and affects me. because My husband's teacher. You have a child. Your best friend owns a school. So like just a lot of things in general going on. And I would say that... I remember when we had these same numbers were in New York City back in, you know, mid August to like mid April when they were at the worst of it and like the news coverage was like this is very scary, we need to all pay attention, we need to like prevent this from happening where we live. This is terrible, like we need to help people. And like I feel like the news coverage now is just like Florida's gonna Florida. <laughs> right like
1: (laughs) my man governor of florida aka the florida man continues to murder all of his constituents and the people who live there all the citizens so it's fine
0: yeah it's like people are acting super casual about it and i'm just really perplexed because i'm like i don't know if people are realizing like these are the same numbers that we were seeing in new york city and like they're bad and like play like you know icus are filling up like if they have COVID units, the COVID units are filling up as well. Um, we live in, you know, we've talked before, we live in Celebration, which is like a suburb of Orlando. And it is kind of like a smallish town vibe. And so we have our own hospital, but there's like a lot of you know other hospitals like in Orlando. Um, but yeah, we have our own hospital and it's like a nice, big, pretty hospital. And it's already like the ICU is filled in our hospital and the COVID unit is filled in our hospital, which that blew my mind. I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, we're going to get probably to a point where like, you know, the Orlando hospitals are going to be filled. But the fact that like the suburb hospitals are filling up is really bad. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's wild. And then so you see that and then like I went from knowing no people who like had COVID personally to like overnight I knew 20 people who had it um, and they weren't being like completely irresponsible it was like situations where it was like oh we're only seeing our family or like oh like you know we're only going like grocery shopping like it's not like they were like going out to bars and stuff which some people definitely have been doing here but that's the crazy thing is like so. <laughs> yeah you, like you have those people who like you and I are still like yeah we're inside because it's a pandemic but then there's people that are like um I'm at Disney and there's a lot of them
1: so there are a lot of people at Disney and I think that goes back to um the issue that business owners are facing with having employees in office
2: Mm -hmm. ties Mm -hmm. back
1: to business is that you can't make your employees not go to disney (laughs) like you can't make your employees not go to a bar like you can't do that so how do you keep the other employees who are taking this very seriously and only going to work as their only like outside contacts how can you take this seriously and there's so much wiggle room like there's just a lot of it's muddy waters so if you do have employees and you guys have physical location if you can do your best to make a remote environment understand that there are some instances where they need to be in the office try to keep maybe shift and like schedule people out where people can come in on certain times, like certain week, these people come into the office next week, those people come in the office, do what you can to avoid. Because what happens if you're going to the office with 40, 50 to 100 employees a day, your child is not going to school or your child, you know what I mean? Like you're sending your kids to school with the same people's germs that you were around, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, this is the same thing that happens every year with flu season. I don't understand well, it's hard. You can, yeah, I don't know why visualizing or people saying that, oh, but the deaths, but the deaths. And I'm like, is it okay for you to 14,000 children to die? Like, that's fine with you? Yeah, Ooh. it's like, that's not,
0: no, that is not okay. I, I still can't believe that Betsy DeVos just sat in front of everybody and said, only 14,000 students will die. It's not that bad. What in the actual f i'm not gonna drop the f-bomb because
1: we don't don't need it she's a she's a it's just like welcome person and people
0: like like any parent that is hearing that and is still like on board with her i i don't understand like that's like we've like at that point me and that person have lost so much common ground that i don't know how to even have a conversation with them to be honest because that's just like these are like children and you're just like yeah they could just die like what yeah
1: what? There's also an article, and I want to talk about it shortly, is that there's an article that's going around that's like, parents, that this is the most parent shaming that's ever happened in America. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna let you speak <laughs> on it because you, the parent. I just don't so. care. I just don't care. I just don't care. There are people who have to make hard choices. The people who are sharing that article, btw, are not those people because guess what? They're at home sitting out chilling on Facebook in the middle of the day while the people who have to make those hard choices are at work right now and their kids are in, in a daycare center currently. So the yeah. people who are using this parent shaming article to kind of justify the reasoning why they have to and they're saying have when they do not, there's a big difference of people who have to and you yeah. who are choosing to, which is fine and at the end it's of weird the day. I feel like I you
2: can get seen yeah
1: when people no longer view you the same like I just I don't understand you can't have the same level of
0: friendship and people like saying like well I'm mad at you because you're sending your kid to school what I see is people saying to like you know to politicians and to school boards I don't want the schools to open it's like I feel like these people feel attacked because maybe they don't like, maybe they feel guilty for their choice. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't want to be friends with you. Like, true, ups, true like, up, straight up. Like I know, no, but, we're but not I'm saying that you're not... You <laughs> haven't been spending your
1: time going to tell those I'm people that. Yeah,
0: you know I'm and I never, and I never yeah. will, unless you yeah. reach
1: out to me and you say, Hey, Angelica, what do you think? And I'm thinking, don't come to my house because you exactly. don't care. What you know what that,
0: that's that. what the thing is. Like, you're not spending your time attacking them. You're spending your time literally... Well, no one ever attacks it. a
1: Karen, but they always feel Karen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the the... That goes back to the the way that, and most of these people that I have seen share it have been parents. white women. So there's a whole situation about the the tear, you know, I mean, like the victimization of a white woman, where there's plenty of articles we can link it up. And there's clearly there are individual cases, and it's different, and it's whatever for whomever. That's fine, but don't utilize this actual genuine issue that people who have low incomes that work in industries that where they have to work. Because you have to work at home does not mean that your kid cannot work with you. That, to me, has been, like, the biggest complaint is that people are like, me and my husband both work from home. Me and my husband have both worked from home forever. Like, yeah. I don't. It has not been an issue for my, if your child has a learning disability or whatever, I understand. Then, if you have the money to hire somebody to come in your house and teach your child in. But don't yeah. send them out into school because you feel like you have to. No, you don't have to. The woman who does not have the money, she has to go to work every single day to just keep the roof over her head. The parent that has to do that, they have to. So there's this conflicting suburban parent mode of feeling attacked and judged because they Mm -hmm. want to send your child in. Want and have are two different things. Like if your child stays at home, you won't lose your job. (laughs) Your husband won't lose your job. You're a double income family. You're already more privileged than the person who has to. Like it just, I am so... I've had it up to you. And it's like rather than
0: these people writing these ridiculous articles, I wish that they would be advocating for the people that do have to and they need some sort of other options, whether it be, you know, being given like some help, like relief with rent, like being given money, something you know, and why not be advocating to make sure that they're not in this situation? Yeah, we're not all going to get along.
1: Like, it's not kumbaya. I'm not holding hands with people who are selfish. Like, I'm not doing it. I don't care. Do whatever. The world does need more empathy. However, you're not having empathy for the people who need the empathy, so I'm not going to have tons of buttloads of empathy for the mom who has four, five, six kids and can abort those children, by the way, based on her husband's one salary because she's overwhelmed because she is a mom and by choice, full-time mom. Totally fine. I don't feel bad for you. Like, that's a choice. When you had children, you knew at any time the school was not going to be like, school can always fall out of practice. Like, school can always anything, not exist. Yeah, anything
0: can happen. It's not a
1: right. We're not entitled to send our children. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people have children and they,
0: they only want a certain sort of narrative. And, like, one of the reasons that John and I don't have children yet is because we know that we are not prepared in a lot of ways to handle any different thing that could happen right like we know that there's just a myriad of things that could happen and we're like we in this situation with this pandemic I I definitely think I would be out of my element I think it would be really hard for me but that's why I made that choice to be like you know what I'm not ready for a kid because I don't know what I would do right now I would literally be at your house like help me please I am lost but with that being said like I know like what like I I guess I know like in an emergency situation like who we'd have to rely on things like that and you know you have to make choices like what's best for you based on that but you also have to realize like choices affect other people right so it's like you can't yeah. just have whatever you want and what works best for you and also like i get it that people are exhausted like my best friend has three kids like she's home with those kids it's a lot of work but at the same time it's like she will do whatever it takes to like keep her kids safe because she's their mom and she loves them and like that's her job. And she like, that's not to say that like, she's not going to come out of this year, like mentally worse off, right? Like it's definitely taking a toll on her. But I think that people are like, not realizing like, everyone is unfortunately going through something. Like my friend will be mentally worse off because of this year. Like she probably will spend longer amounts of time in therapy because of this year. But at the same time, like the same thing could be said about like the family that doesn't have enough money to put food on the table or the person that's like lost their job. And they're like just trying to like make it off of unemployment or the person that's lost their family due to the virus. Like there's people like that have had their whole families literally wiped out. You know what I mean? Um, So it's like, it just sucks all around. I get it. It sucks all around. My main goal is to keep people alive because we cannot fix someone's mental health. We cannot fix someone's finances if they are not alive. We cannot work together to find solutions to make their life better, easier, whatever, what have you, if they're not alive. And so yeah, if that's, okay. that's my main goal. What's the idea of
1: your best friend possibly having to bury their child because they're one of the 14,000 people, because you just need, like, I just, this is what you need to do. And that's where I'm like, stop asking for empathy when you don't have any, Yeah, <laughs> and I want people to. So if anything you take away from our podcast today, <laughs> sit down and really think about what empathy means to you. How do you display empathy in your business? How do you display empathy in your relationships with other people? Because empathy is all you have at a certain time, especially in a pandemic. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. That's why there was such a great outpouring for the people who were in New York. Well, guess what? Florida is New York right now. Like We are yeah. New York. Yeah. What happened? Unfortunately, the people <laughs> here... I was gonna say sorry to interrupt you but I think that like a
0: lot of people are speaking about stuff that they're not informed about and I think like people are not realizing our numbers here in Florida and like the same people that cried while watching what was going on in New York are like acting like we just shouldn't be worried you know they don't
1: yeah it's kind of like oh well you you get over it eventually it's like I don't they're like I'm going outside in my state and I'm like okay but like
0: you're in a different state like it's not like you're on the other side of the country you're super far away like in Europe you would be like in the other side of like the whole like the whole continent like you're not we're not in the same place you know and so what certain Americans are experiencing right now is very different than what other Americans are experiencing. I have friends in in the Denver area who can like pretty much go out and do a lot of things. Like everyone's wearing their masks. Like it's kind of safe to do a lot more activities than it is safe to do here because their numbers are a lot lower at this time. We don't know what will happen next. Everything keeps changing. But like there was a time in Florida where it didn't seem as scary, and I was like, Yeah, I can go to the grocery store, like, I can do, you know, that's fine, like, that'd be safe. I was starting to think, Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you know, get a go get a coffee and like sit at an outdoor location with a friend, and you know, but I'm like, th- None of those things happened because it got really, really, really bad really quickly. Um, and the numbers are completely out of control. and we start school, I think a lot of people don't realize like we start school earlier than most of the nation. Um, So we're looking at like my husband's looking at going back on July 31st to teacher planning. And then like, he'll have that day, that's a Friday. And then the following week, he'll be in the school for teacher planning. And then the following week after that, that Monday, the plan is to bring kids back in. He has over 100 teachers just at his school, just teachers, let alone students. It's like, you know, most schools in Central Florida, at least have you know, on average, at least a thousand kids, even elementary schools have like a thousand kids. And then like high schools will have like, you know, anywhere between a thousand to 4,000 with middle schools falling somewhere in between there as well. So we're talking about a lot of people coming to very enclosed uh, spaces that are not well ventilated. It's hard to keep track of everyone. They're understaffed, underfunded as it is. Um, And I was told by somebody who lives in Michigan who doesn't even know like what's going on here. doesn't know about the numbers or whatever that I shouldn't get to have an opinion on that because I don't have a child. Um, So yeah, like the (laughs) insensitivity as if I shouldn't have an opinion. First of all, I care because I love my husband and I don't want him to die. So that's number one. But like, also I have a lot of children in my life. I worked in the school system for like over five years and I have a lot of teachers in my life I care about. But also I'm a human. Like I would like to believe that even if I never met John, if I never worked in the school system, and if I had no friends or family with children, I would like to believe that I would still care enough about students and teachers and staff, just as other fellow humans, that I would not want them to go in and die for no reason. Yeah, Like that's what I would, I would hope to have that much empathy, even if I wasn't directly related to the situation, because that's how I feel about any other type of job as well. I mean, I'm Heartbroken for our medical, you know, like our healthcare staff and everything. And like, I only know one person who works in healthcare, Um, but I'm still like, just, it's terrible to me that like we're not getting these people like what they need as far as, you know, uh, safe coverage and stuff to be able to like perform their duties while staying safe from this virus. Like, I still feel affected and upset and sad about that, even though I'm not working in that field. I don't have a child working in that field. I don't have a spouse working in that field because again, as a human, you should be able to feel empathy for other groups of people. Like, I feel so much empathy and sadness for all of the Native people who live in our country who have been treated terribly for years. And this is just, you know, you would think that it couldn't get any worse. And, like, it's just everything that's happening on reservations right now is just, we're a disgusting country. That's really all I can say about it. Like, it's just so hard to even repeat because it's just so terrible what's happening right now. But it's like, I don't know one person who lives on a reservation and I never have. And that doesn't stop me from feeling empathy. So if you have a a thing going on in your mind where you think the only way that someone can feel and directly relate to a situation is if they are 100% in that situation or have like an immediate family member in that situation, you need to reevaluate your whole way of thinking. Because if we don't care about other people and we can't look outside our own little you know, square to like see what's going on in the world and care about others, then we're never going to make it as a society. It's already a hot mess as it is. So,
1: yeah, you might want yeah, to rethink. It, that. It's so funny. The same. Well, you signed up for this job. Um, narrative is the one that's being thrown around for teachers now. Like it was for grocery store workers, it was for nurses, it was for doctors, and now it's for teachers. You signed up for this. Well, you signed up to be a parent. Same argument. I'm so. Oh, yeah. I
0: just... And and that's the thing, right? With a teacher, like my husband became a teacher 15 years ago, this was not what you were signing up for. But as a parent, if you know the history of the world, right, like you know that unfortunately lots of bad things have happened on our earth before. And so you kind of have to know, like, I need to be ready and willing to protect my child through any situation. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm just such a strong believer in that that needs to be like, You have to go into parenting knowing that anything could happen. Your child could come out any different way. They could grow up to be any different type of person and anything in the world can happen. And no matter what, you are a parent first and you have to make sure that you are doing that job. And I know like people don't want to hear that from me because I am not a parent, but that's why I'm not a parent. You know what I'm saying? Like I love my child that I don't have so much that I don't want to be their parent right now because I don't think I would be the best parent that I could be just yet.
1: Yeah, I mm, just be a good person, like be a good human. That's all <laughs> I'm gonna continue to say. And if you think I think we should start like a rant like on like Patreon, we should just start a
0: rant section where we come on and we're like, and this is what's going on. And we like tell people about stuff. And it'll be fun. I like. It. I like. Um, I yeah, like I think it. that
1: most of our, <laughs> our listeners, because I have gone back again and read some of the newer um, Apple podcast reviews. So thanks for doing that. You can always rate and review on Apple Podcasts, but they've been super nice. And I do, assume at least since you've been want- listening since basically the pandemic started with us in 2020, um, understanding that we're not here for like it's not fear mongering. It's not liberal agenda. Blah blah blah. Whatever BS that somebody like a Carson Tucker or whoever. Somebody on Fox News has told you it's just a being we're empathetic people for Mm -hmm. people who are struggling and people we try to do our best to understand the situation. Also, if you're struggling that badly and you're trying to deflect into other situations and you can't be 100 percent honest, like I know a lot of people who probably are in domestic abuse situations where they're using this, you know, school thing kind of as a cry out. Let some like reach out to somebody so they can get you out of that situation so you don't just sound like an a like you know what I mean like you, yeah. you just gotta there are so many ways to help people and I don't want people to be like parenting's easy and it's a hundred percent no, it's not it's not easy and nobody again we it's hard. that's why I don't do kids. it like <laughs> <laughs> um, but school is never a hundred percent a given thing to have your children like you're not entitled to have your kids in school unfortunately, like that's the reality of of parenting. So I just want people to do better in terms of allowing themselves to have empathy. Um, again, this episode we have our very first real estate agent on. So that's going to be super exciting because we want to have people in different industries to come onto the podcast to teach us things that we did not know. And she taught us so much stuff that we did not know. So I feel like we're already yes. doing so well. So the episode's really great. Again, I will be at the Freelancers Conference July 25th. I'll put another link in the show notes because tickets are free. So
0: got up free for
1: free. Like it's a free thing. There's so many free conferences right now that there I've got really to do, which is so exciting. Um and again, if you're introverted Con like
0: me, you get to like not talk, so it's it's awesome. been great.
1: Um Peshakasha in Orlando, and I'm sure other cities have all gone virtual. There's a second Peshaka coming up that my friend's 17-year-old son is not like there's so many cool things. So um look out for virtual events to kind of help expand your mind and your horizons and learn something new. We're so thankful for you guys again for just showing up every week and listening to us talk about how we're navigating our businesses and also the pandemic. Cause it does affect us in very real ways. And we make the choices that we make based on trying to do the best for ourselves, but not just ourselves with the people around us like you who are listening. So
0: yeah. And don't forget you can reach out to us on Facebook uh, or Twitter or Instagram. Instagram is always best. Um, but yeah, just reach out to us if you need anything, if you have better suggestions on maybe how your state is doing with the pandemic, with social distancing and stuff like that. Let us know, like share what you guys are doing, right? That's super awesome. If you need help with something, whether it's like a job hunt or finding a new place to live, like literally anything, like we will help you find those resources. So please do not feel shy to slide into our DMs or you know into either of our personal DMs as well. Our Instagrams are always linked on the Heart and Hustle Podcast Instagram. So just keep in touch and let us know if you guys need anything at all.
1: Yeah. And if you're from New Zealand and you can somehow sneak me in, <laughs> marry me, please. I'm trying so we'll hard to get John there.
0: and um, David just hang out here, and we'll just move there.
1: And we can be fun. a throuple at some point, like me and whoever's going to marry me. You, you know. Like, I know, but just, like, please. if we only
0: find two people to marry, I don't know how it's going to work like
1: any person please i mean if four of you
0: want to marry (laughs) us that would be ideal because then you like our husbands can get married to people and then all four of us can just move over there we wanted to go to new zealand before
1: this but this is on my bucket list for this year which sucks so bad so that is why i would like to live in new zealand right now please and thank you yes it would be great (laughs) all right guys um enjoy the episode and we'll see you guys next week Welcome back. We are so excited to have Maria Nunez here of Sale By Maria. And we're so excited for you here. I've met Maria through Shelly, who, who was a guest earlier. We talk about Shelly all the time. She's she amazing. She's best. I love her. Best person. Um, so Maria, could you share a little bit with our listeners about you, what you do, and your brand that you've been building?
2: Hi, everyone. I'm so grateful to be here and so excited. Um, so, I'm a real estate agent. I have been selling real estate full time for six years. Um, I've been licensed for like almost 12 years. Um, and basically, I specialize a lot in first time home buyers um, and relocation clients. So, people who are moving out of state to Orlando. Um, and I try to you know, make sure that I'm just always giving my best, um, giving my absolute all. And I've, you know, tried to lead with, you know, gratitude and giving and, you know, just making sure that everyone feels like they're my number one priority. <laughs> I
0: love that because like when you're buying a house, it's such a big
2: deal and it's so stressful
0: and like feeling like you're someone's number one priority is, is definitely a good thing, uh, especially in your industry. Um, so we've been recording for like five years and somehow we've never had a realtor on, which is like shocking to me because I promise you we both, we'd probably bring it up like about once a month because we, we, yeah. we think it's was such an interesting industry. We both like kind of keep up with like, you know, like home sales and stuff and in, in different parts of the Orlando area. And we just, we just think it's, you know, it's really, really interesting. So what led you to the real estate industry and made you decide that it was a good fit for you?
2: So my mom's actually been in real estate since I was a baby. And um, as soon as I turned 18 and I was eligible to take the exam, she was like, I really want you to do this. And I was like, I do not want to. <laughs> and she was like, I think it's really important. You can study whatever you want. You can do anything you want, but I just want you to have this just in case because you never know. And I was like, okay. And so I took the class as soon as I graduated high school, but it took me about a year and a half to actually pass the state exam because I was, you know, it was my freshman year of college. I tried to study as much as I could. I'm a horrible test taker. So like tests in general give me so much anxiety. I actually took the state test six times, which is not like a normal amount that people do. Um And I was finally able to pass on the sixth try. And so I passed it when I was 19. And then I was enrolled in college. And I was an English major. And I really didn't see myself doing this at all. Um, I wanted to continue in academia or possibly go to law school. It just was not on my radar at all. Um, And so pretty much when I graduated and I had really wanted, like I had dreams of being like big time magazine editor. Like I was one of those girls that fell trapped to all of that marketing, then movies and stuff of women like working at Cosmo and all of that. Like I had lofty
1: dreams about being a writer.
2: (laughs) And so when I graduated though, I was like, okay, I have to get a real job. Um, So I went to go work for a real estate attorney and um I was pretty much doing the closing aspect of it. So doing title searches, preparing documents for closing, all that stuff. And I did that for about three years. And I just got to a point where I was twenty four. I was so tired. I was working twelve hours. And I was like, why do I feel like I'm 50 years old and <laughs> 24? And I was like, there there has to be something here because I just, I can't continue this way. And my mom was like, are you ready to cancel real estate now? And, I was- <laughs> and it's really the, the, the money aspect was what scared me. I had a good salary for someone my age. Um, I made bonuses, I mean, I was really scared of giving that up. And um, I was just like, if I can save $5,000, I'll do it. And I ended up being able to save that much. And I just, you know, quit my job. And in my second month, I sold a $2 million house. And wow. I was wow. like, okay, this is a sign. This is a sign from the universe or God or whatever that I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. <laughs> and I never looked back.
1: If I sold a $2 million house, you could not tell me. Anyway. Oh my gosh. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was
2: so weird because I was living in my mom's house. I had received this lump sum of money and I didn't know what to do with it. And I turned 25 that month. I threw a very big birthday party at Ember. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> and, then, and then I just saved the rest of it. And um, I'm so glad I did that because it allowed me to be able to pay for marketing. In my first year of real estate, which a lot of people aren't able to do because they're, you know, strapped for for the money that they can invest in their own business. So it really kind of helped me have that jump start, and um, you know, not come from a place of I don't have enough money to pay my bills. And I think that really helped to kind of really launch my career in a big way. Yeah, that's, like, the best
0: way to know, like, this is exactly where i meant to be. Like, that's a massive sale. Like, for it to be your first, like, you're just starting out. Like, wow. Definitely, like, a meant-to-be situation.
2: It was crazy. And I've never sold anything that expensive since. Like, I was like, great, I peaked so early. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I look, this is all of our life choice problems right now. We all peaked before a pandemic, so (laughs) we're not going to be any better than we are right now. Um, So I know personally, as someone who has lived in a certain neighborhood for so long that i've stalked the real estate and even uh-huh. just renting like the first time i went mm-hmm. to look for a rental in this place and the price that it was and me thinking well, that's crazy and now i want to go back in time and be like can
0: you
2: give you know, me this price all yeah. the time yeah. Um, so, you know what yeah a lot of people don't um realize though is that like for example right now our prices are high, but our rates are low. So for example, this was back in, I want to say like 2014. My mom had bought a house that was around $250,000. Her rate though was so high that her payment ended up being $1,800. But if you were to buy a house that's maybe like 290. dollars or almost three hundred thousand, your payment's going to be closer to eighteen hundred in today's market because wow. of how low the rates are. So wow. we're kind of in a weird space where everything is technically more expensive, but the money is so cheap that the payment um, isn't as high as it should be for something that is worth that much. That's amazing. That's very good to know.
1: Thank (laughs) you for explaining that to us, us normal brand people. people. (laughs) Um, So that's one way that the industry has changed so much. So what are some different ways that the industry has changed for real estate professionals that you've noticed since you've gotten started?
2: Um, Before, I think a lot of people just kind of use their social media, you know, as something personal just to connect with their own friends and network and now social media is really our best way to advertise and to get business and to kind of like grow a brand like realtors now are so interested in like their brand and before it was not like a buzzword like it is now and um you know transitioning to a lot of virtual things so doing virtual showings because of covid Um, having professional people photograph your home. That's really huge. Now, we started doing that a few years ago when it wasn't so big, when people were still taking pictures with their phones. But now, you know, anyone who does a good amount of business in Orlando is paying a photographer to take pictures, to make videos, to do 3D walking tours of the homes. So there's this whole technology aspect that was not as big a few years ago. Um, and partly it's because, you know, we're living in a a virtual time very much right now. And, um, we do still have a lot of people who are moving here to Florida. So that's really the best way to kind of capture that out of state buyer is to, you know, make sure everything looks really nice online.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that there's like a lot of people that are just buying sight unseen at this point because of COVID. So they're just kind of like, while well, I'm doing the walkthrough. I'm looking at the photos because I have a friend that just bought um, in the Winter Garden area and she bid on five houses like that she saw in person because she lives in Celebration. But she got outbid each time, like, same day. Like, she would be the first person to put in a bid. And then, like, five or six other people would put in bids without even having seen it. So it is really yeah. true. Like, I feel like video can make such a big difference. And it's really, like, changed that industry a lot.
2: And honestly, the, the minute this pandemic hit, I went and I bought a gimbal um, for my phone. And I got yeah. phone. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that any type of video tour I'm doing is higher quality. And also, it allows us to transact more. Because if you work nine to five, and there's a house you love, and it's Tuesday, and we can't get out there till Saturday, I'm going Tuesday, and I'm making a video for you. I'm not waiting, you know, until Saturday before someone else grabs it. So that aspect of everything has kind of helped us move things along more and I do get people who offer sight and scene especially if you're looking for something really specific and in a really specific area everything's going to kind of look the same like it'll have slight differences but um, you know it's it's all going to be the same so a lot of people will just kind of throw their hat in and see what happens so yeah it's kind of crazy because it, it's it is the most expensive thing you'll buy <laughs> yeah.
1: it's funny because the technology has changed so much because we did idx listings built into a real estate website in 2009 and that was unheard of to be a, yes. a wordpress a separate and it like completely it was it should have been very expensive Was not expensive because we were children. Um, So now that, you know, everybody now has custom sites and now even some of the bigger brands, so to speak, have this out-of-box website builder that includes this and then you can customize it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I just personally being in the tech industry, I've seen how much technology has changed. And you're such an early adapter, I feel like, especially with like you hopping on professional Photos way before, and that made a big difference for me as a renter because I worked Uh and I couldn't view a lot of places. But seeing the photos, I'd usually go to because we buy, we usually rent with private owners. Mm -hmm. So I definitely go with the people who had the more, like, nicer pictures and the more, the better. So that way I could get an idea of what's happening. So you are definitely on top of it.
2: It was so funny how the photography thing came about because I'm one of those weird people that, like, I open every email, even if it's like you know, I'm getting sold something, like I open everything. And um, our office had gotten, had been included in, in this email blast. And it was this girl from Italy who was offering real estate photography services and her photos were incredible. And I called her immediately and she was our photographer for many, many years. And I tell people, don't discount email blasts. If one's done properly and you have like have your target market uh, very much defined. I mean, I've I've done a lot of business with people because I get their email blasts and I open them and, and, you know, we we strike up a relationship from that. But, yeah, it all started with an email and then. We were one of the few offices doing it and slowly everyone started to do it too, which is good. Everyone should do it because it makes our job easier if Uh everyone has good photos. So every
0: industry has these like experts who are setting, you know, the tone and kind of deciding like what makes the industry overall successful. So how have Mm -hmm. you kind of like navigated the rules and like when have you known to kind of like step away? How do you know like, you know what, I'm going to step away from the status quo and kind of like do my own thing?
2: So the, the biggest things that serve me and that help me have a good mindset and that give me good ideas have nothing to do with real estate. <laughs> like <laughs> They don't. And I kind of shun a lot of like the typical training because to me, this business is very much relationship built. So I'd rather try to learn how to make people feel comfortable around me than me learning scripts on how to sell you a house that won't be good for you, you know, like, so I try to base more like when I'm trying to learn about something new on how I can provide a better environment for people, how it can make them feel comfortable, how I can earn their trust and earn their business and things like that. And I find the best content for that is never directly real estate related. I think, We get a a bad rap sometimes for being um, kind of salesy, like car salesmen. And the thing with a home is I don't have to go in and just make a case for it. Like, you'll know what you like when you see it. So, you know, I try to spend my time building something where people will feel good, feel taken care of, feel valued, um, feel like they're important versus, okay, how am I going to go and sell you on this? Like, I don't need to to sell, you know, so um, everyone thinks I'm crazy, because I, you know, just don't like to do a lot of the the typical like real estate training stuff. And when the pandemic happened, um, all of us, not all of us, a good amount of the realtors in Orlando, we all in this one Facebook group. And I was like, you know what, I need to exit this, because I can't, be around the constant negativity and, um, you know, everyone claiming that, you know, our market's going to completely die and we're going to be jobless. Like, I just didn't want to hear it. And so I um, followed, and that was one of the best decisions I'd ever made because I didn't realize how much time I would spend, you know, going back and forth with these people. And it just served no purpose at all. So I actually find the less time I spend learning specifically about real estate things, the better I feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I feel like that's probably the case in a lot of industry, like photography probably had the same issue here, mm-hmm. I'm sure, in the photography groups where people are panicking and it, it, like negativity, and there's panic for a good reason, but too much negativity, I feel like, especially from your peers. Yes. In, just drive your decision making and kind of your your day-to-day and also make you question the choices you're making for yourself because if you're doing well you're like well why am i doing well did i do you know what i mean like you start to question yourself when all your peers are saying things are bad and that happens a lot in service-based industries where we're doing something and you know there's a downtrend like usually there's a downtrend i feel like in the summer months for designers and i feel like the summer has always been good for me like I've always been busy I've always been like let's go let's move etc and so if I didn't have the mindset of this is my company and I'm glad that I have peers but it's me and my own and my own network and my own following I -hmm. would start to question myself during summer or I would do less in the summer versus me doing the same that I am just based on me knowing this is what I do so I like that you kind of said no thanks um Facebook (laughs) groups and (laughs) you don't have to be in those Facebook groups to make money that's what I think you
0: sure don't
1: You sure don't. A
0: lot of times it's just like talking to people that are already doing the same things you're doing and talking in a circle. Mm -hmm. And like a lot Mm -hmm. of times it's not productive. Um, Like speaking from like the photography side of things, like in photography groups, unfortunately, the reality is a lot of people like tear other people apart. And that's not to say Mm -hmm. that there's not supportive people. Like I definitely have a lot of photographer friends who are amazing throughout the years, but there's definitely a lot of negativity and definitely like a lot of gatekeeping a lot of like you do this and this is wrong and I'm like okay well if this is working for me like I want to tell you I have a contract with Disney now so to shoot weddings so like you really can't tell me nothing in the photography <laughs> space like wow. I'm like I don't even have to That's like incredible. market anymore for weddings like they're just built in you know what I mean um, so, so yeah I, I, I think that everyone kind of has their own And and the person that, like, I look to was somebody that really, that's kind of, like, how I figured that out is, like, she didn't do anything, like, quote, unquote, with the industry, like, the way the industry did it or whatever. Like, she did her own thing. And at first, like, when we were, like, really young and I met her when I was, like, 21, I was, like, wow, like, she doesn't know what she's doing. Like, everyone else says you have to do this and she's not doing that. I, I don't understand. But she was my friend and so I'm, like, kind of still seeing the things she's doing and I'm, you know very confused by it and then eventually i realized like oh like she's still working like she's you know she's doing the things that she wants to do the way she wants to do it and she's minding not- her business <laughs> exactly like she just like you know minded her business like didn't work the way that she wanted to she made Industry friends, for sure, definitely amongst like other people um, in the wedding industry as well who weren't photographers because that's normally who you're going to work with, you know, and Mm -hmm. she wasn't against photographers. She, she, I mean, befriended me and would bring me to as a second shooter or give me weddings that she wasn't going to work all the time. I got tons of work from her for years until she moved. Um, and it was, like, thanks to her, really, that I made the connection to get the uh, the deal that I got with Disney. So it's just as interesting how had I had, like, decided, well, I'm just going to stick to all these groups, I'm going to listen to what everybody says, like, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely you think, think it's... it's- yeah. Your gut. Yeah. Intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you kind of
0: have that built in too because your mom, like you're, it's like, it's a part of your family, you know? So it's like you've already been watching your mom do this for a long time. And I know that you weren't originally looking to do it yourself, but of course you saw a lot of the things that she did. And, you know, so I'm sure that had an influence on like how your decision making is as well.
2: Yeah. And for me, I, I just got to a point where I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Like, just the anxiety of having to work so much and make so little. And, Mm -hmm. and it, for me, I, I got a lot of anxiety around being supervised. I know that sounds really weird, but like reporting to a boss and like being able to get in trouble, like at work, like, I don't know why it freaked me out so much. And it's not like I ever did anything bad, but like, that fear of this person can come and say you're fired be just because they feel like it even if I don't do anything wrong because that I mean having a nine-to-five job that's you know I I don't really believe in job security you know people can lay you (laughs) off they can fire you for any reason and so that gave me a lot of anxiety and I was like you know what I don't know what else to do. I have an English degree. Like, what am I going to do? So I just kind of pivoted to the the next skill that I knew, which was real estate. Um, And I think we kind of get so caught up in like, you know, it's no one's dream to become a real estate agent. Like if someone tells you that I would, I would be suspicious. Um, It's always kind of someone's like third or fourth career, but it ends up being their last because, you know, they really fall in love with it. And and that's kind of what's happened to me. But you have to be flexible in life and just kind of go where doors are open for you. And it could come out better than you expect, for sure.
0: I definitely understand what you're saying as well with like, the fear of like working for someone and having them kind of, you know, more or less control your career. Like just getting a bad boss could change everything in your life. I've seen that happen to so many friends where they've even loved their job. And then, you know, their boss retires or moves and somebody else gets put in, their place and it just kind of changes their entire world and like living in Florida like we're in the right to work state so it is really scary because people can literally just be fired for no reason and there's like mm-hmm. not much you can do about it and there's like laws against like striking and stuff like that so that's a legitimate concern.
2: Mhm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> my mom is my mom kind of raised us in that way to to try to always figure out something for ourselves instead of be hired by someone and it was she never outwardly said it, but just kind of how she lived her life was always um really symbolic of that. And it's so funny because in college I had several jobs. One of them was at a real estate office for a different company. And um they sent me to do an errand and I just remember being in the car and being like, What if I never go back? And I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just <laughs> <laughs> and i sent them an email that i quit and um i sent the email the next day though and they had sent like a sheriff to go look for me like oh my <laughs> they thought i was dead or something but like i i can't explain it i was 19 years old and i was like i have to keep driving i can't go back yeah, sometimes
0: you feel that, like, if, if I don't leave now, I'll never leave, feeling. yeah. will never do it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I also think because you're, like, I would assume, and by knowing you, you're a little bit of a perfectionist, that fear of, like, doing something wrong is already, like, paralyzing. And I'm sure that goes into effect with test taking as well, as you were talking about. Because I definitely yeah. have that fear of doing something wrong, kind of being a perfectionist. So, in mm-hmm. a traditional job setting, it is... Just, terrifying like it's completely traumatizing to think that if i disappoint this person they can take everything away from me like you take the way i like my money you know what i mean my the way i live so that's such a good point to point out as to why some people pivot to entrepreneurship it's just the fear of having some your life in somebody else's hands for no reason because people get fired all the time for no reason they just don't like you they just decide to fire you like it's
2: oftentimes bosses too like they don't account the fact that we're humans Mm -hmm. and make mistakes and um you know I just remember when I I had that salary job when I would make a mistake how chastised I would get like there was just no room for grace I was made to feel like crap I remember one time they had actually like deducted my pay because of an error that I had on a closing and I mean at that time you know it it was a, a big deal to me to get like my paid my pay uh, knocked down and so it was just really awful and now i have that so present so one of my best friends she helps me with a lot of like the client relation stuff and gift giving that we do and she accidentally ordered like double of the same set of flowers for someone. And she's like, you can deduct it for my pay. I'm like, I'm not going to deduct it from your pay. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, you're human. You make mistakes. It's fine. I'm not going to penalize you for that. Like, I just think that concept is is what leads people to feel severely unhappy in like those kind of work settings.
1: Definitely. So I'm gonna switch my husband I'm gonna
2: switch gears a little bit. Um <laughs>
1: so I wanted to talk about entrepreneurs buying homes because I feel yes, like please nobody there's so much misinformation mm-hmm. and we, we live in a certain market that I think is very it mirrors a lot of other small like an upcoming cities in the southeast and even in the Midwest right now. I feel like our pricing and everything our structure is very similar to a lot of places so i know that there's been more conversation And and MN- msnbc does like a series about millennial mm-hmm. money and a lot of times oh, i love it i love millennial money we're gonna put a link to the show on some millennial mm-hmm. money if you're not watching it please go do it right now it's because good. it is so good but a lot of the entrepreneurs on there do own homes and they talk about how they they own their like how they bought it and how what they had to do to get their 20 down etc etc so mm-hmm. what are some of the Like what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who decides to wake up tomorrow and you're like, Hey, I know that I want to start buying a home. What should we do?
2: Okay. So if you are kind of in a place where you have like a side hustle and you're working on like building that up and stuff, but then you still have a job that pays you with a W-2, I would try to buy before you make the leap to doing your side hustle full-time. And I say that because when you are paid a W-2 and you're paid either salary or hourly or whatever it is, it's a lot easier to prove your income. And once you make that jump to being self-employed, they're going to want to see two years of, like basically how they're going to determine your income is they're going to take the average um, of what's on your tax returns for each year and then divide that by 24 and that's how they're going to come up with what you make monthly. So if you're kind of in that in-between stage of still working nine to five, but you have like your side hustle that is growing and growing, you want to buy before you quit because it'll just be easier. Now, if you are completely self-employed um, what and you think you want to buy, what I suggest is, and it's kind of a mistake that I even made when I first started real estate, is you know you have to pay your own taxes, and um, you have to set money aside to pay those taxes, and so obviously I was well not obviously but in my twenty five year old mind I was deducting as much as possible because I wanted that income to be as as low as possible so I had to pay as like the least amount of taxes possible out of pocket. Now obviously if my income on a tax return is a lot lower, the bank isn't going to approve me for you know, the type of house I want. So it took me like year four before I was able to, to buy something, um, you know, for me to get that income on my tax returns up. So if you think you're wanting to buy, you haven't filed your taxes yet, you might want to file and just not deduct as much as you usually would. So your income's showing a bit higher. And then, um, I also recommend just avoiding a bank completely and just going to a direct mortgage lender um, especially if you're self-employed they're going to be a lot more lenient on what they require and um, they're going to calculate your debt to income ratios better and that's the thing like you can go to two separate banks one will look at your DTI which is debt to income ratio one way and the other one will interpret it completely differently huh. and um, yeah so you want to go to someone who um, does mortgages only um, that has a record of, of working with a lot of self-employed people and um, that way you know you can get approved for for a good a, a good budget basically. So that, that's one of my, my biggest tips is not more so about saving X amount of money, but just making sure you can prove your income is a certain amount. Me over here, yeah. taking notes <laughs>
1: Girl, oh right, 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 but also I think it's important. This is some stuff that I did have a conversation with someone who made a substantial amount of money um the year he bought his home, and that mm-hmm. was like his breakthrough just because he had to build his income up and before he had to he was doing the same thing where he wanted to pay the less least amount of taxes because he was a you know a single man and he yeah. had gotten married, and mm-hmm. she had his so he wanted a bigger house, we had talked about this in detail, which I was like, I'll never make that kind of money, and you got a big house and all this stuff, but I like that I knew that, just so I could put that in the back of my mind of like, okay, yes, when I'm ready to buy a house, make sure I like increase my income and pay all those taxes and complain and blah, 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 but I did not know about the lending, the lender, and going to someone who is a direct mortgage lender, because we've always, obviously, been told as entrepreneurs from the SBA, go to a bank, get a bank partner, have a bank friend, so...
0: Yeah. That, that was the biggest like surprise that I heard from what you just said.
2: Mm -hmm. So for, I'll give you an example and I'll use my own finances for this example. So, um, I helped my little brother get a car a few years ago. Now I don't pay for that car monthly. Someone else pays it. And so I have proof of that. So, I can go to a lender and say I know this is on my credit report but I don't pay it and I have proof of that so they can discount that. I think that payment's like $330 a month. And that $330 a month is going to be I can tell you how much. Uh it'll be like about $66,000 in purchase price. So if I was approved for say 200 but I'm able to exclude that debt, then I can qualify for 266 now um and so little things like that and also I have I don't buy cars I lease them so I have a car lease and I pay the car lease out of my business account and so because I do it that way then they can exclude that debt too that car lease is like 555 so if you divide it by five that's $111,000 a $111,000 that of purchasing power that's being opened up there because I pay it for my business account so that's why you want to go to someone who will look at all of your expenses every month like the debt that you pay out and say okay where who pays this what account does it come from you know is it your business that your personal and then that way you know you have an approval that's a lot cleaner too, because they've literally gone through all your finances and you'll probably be approved for a higher amount. Man, I feel like I'm going to have to go to you
0: because I (laughs) won't remember this stuff. And I feel like a lot of people don't know it because like we had looked to buy a house like a few years back and we talked to a realtor. We didn't get like super serious about stuff, but it's like none of this was mentioned. And I had been already owning my business for probably like, five or six years at that point. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is definitely good stuff to know. So when someone is getting to that point where they are ready to work with a realtor, what are some good qualities to help them find a realtor that will like be the best fit for them?
2: Um, I definitely recommend, you know, looking on Zillow at their reviews or if they use Google on their Google reviews, just kind of see what other people are saying about them. And then you want it to be someone that you want to spend time with. So you'll spend quite a bit of time talking with this person, um, meeting them to see houses. So you you want to work with someone that you like because um, you are going to be in touch with them almost daily till you close. Um, So it's definitely important to find someone that you mesh with. Um, Also find someone that knows the area you want to be in. Um, And one of my biggest pet peeves too with realtors is, and it's somewhere where I think they've become too complacent with um, all the internet that we have and all of the apps we have and all the home search engines, is that they'll kind of set you on an automated search And that's it and you don't hear from them again and they expect you to open your alerts and while you're busy at work busy doing life and like literally look at every home that gets automatically sent to them and i just feel like it completely took out the part of house hunting like when my mom did this in the 90s she would have to schedule an appointment she would have to find the houses and select them And she would be like, okay, this is what we're going to go see today. And I feel like now realtors have kind of put that responsibility on the consumer to basically find their own home. And I do have a lot of buyers that are very active and are constantly checking Zillow and Trulia and sending me links. And that's great. But I'm also doing the same for them. I'm also, you know, sending them texts with links like, hey, this just came up on the market an hour ago. Do you want to go see it? So I kind of take my job of house hunter very seriously so just make sure that if you're working with someone that it's not you always saying hey look at this house what do you think of this let's go see this that the realtor is actively informing you of what's new in the market what's been reduced in price what's back on the market things like that because i mean that's that's what we get paid to do so um you know just make sure that you have someone who is really looking out for you, especially with how competitive things are becoming again. Uh um, You know, you really want um, a set of eyes out there, you know, uh, dedicated to looking every day on what has been, you know, listed for sale.
1: Yeah, I think that's been the difference in the YouTube. I, I look at a lot of entrepreneurs who buy houses. <laughs> this is my life. Um, so the real the real estate agents who have been those type of people, like your mom, like the house on like, okay, we're taking this. You're available this Sunday. I got five or six houses to show you on Sunday. Let's go do this. Like Let's hang out. have been so successful in finding the homes that mesh well with the people who are buying it versus I've been someone who's obviously, again, I rent from private owners most of the time, but some of those private owners work with realtors. And so I've been added to those lists. And then mm-hmm. I get into like these ding, 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 like this is a new rental that's available, but it's in Altamont Springs. Well, I don't work in Altamont Springs. I don't live there. Why are you sending me, <laughs> you know, messages that are exactly. going to take me 45 minutes out of my way. And then for something I'm not interested in. So it definitely mm-hmm. turns me off to those people. And then I don't work with them. Mm-hmm. ultimately because you're not interested in what I want. And I understand being a renter is not the same, whatever, but. I do think there's more success in that being more personalized. And I think that goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, that you make each person you work with feel special.
2: Yeah. And it makes my job easier. If I can find a house that you're going to love quicker, then, I mean, that just makes my life easier. So I definitely saw the difference between me doing like 20 sales to me doing close to 50 when I started taking it upon myself to set up these alerts for myself and spending time every day in our MLS system looking for property. So that was really like the um, the changing factor in, in me being able to do a large volume of, of sales per year is just kind of really driving the transaction. And if someone comes to you and says, I need you to help me do this, that's your job is to help you, is to help them get to that finish line so um doing that and being proactive and set and anticipating people's needs that's really important to me like I want to give you the information you need before you think to ask of it so kind of staying one step ahead has definitely helped a lot and I love this and it's
0: great I was, customer service. I, would say, I was just going to say, I was like, this is so great for anyone in a service-based industry. Like this yes. is perfect. Like it kind of goes across the board, especially because like, to me, like home buying is one of those things that can be very, very foreign to a lot of people. So when you're coming in, but I also think like what I do can be foreign to people. What Angelica does can be foreign to people. So when people are coming in and they're hiring an expert, like that's what they want from you. is just for you to handle. It's like, like you said, they don't want to do it themselves. Like, That's why they hired somebody so that you can look out for those things that they just wouldn't know. I mean, we asked you a question about, you know, buying as an entrepreneur and really off the bat with no problem. You gave so much information, knew all about it. We've been studying it for like years and (laughs) we don't know that information. You know what I mean? So it's like it just shows like how important it is to like be an expert in your field. Like if this is the field that you're going to be in, this is the career you're going to go for, like do it and and show mm-hmm. up as an expert for your clients and, and just do the work that you promise them you do, you know, which unfortunately, of course, people are always looking for like loopholes and like how to make money quick and things like that. So sometimes I think yeah. that's where, they kind of fall and fail when it comes to service because they're just like, well, how many people can I serve? But I think eventually that definitely catches up to you because people start to realize like, well, that wasn't a good experience and I'm not going to recommend that person. And word of mouth is huge in all of our industries.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, referrals are super, super important to me. And that was the one thing that I regret that I didn't try to keep track of earlier in my career was have that list of people who have sent me business you know, I have it now, but it's taken a long time to compile and put together. And I was like, I should have just kept better track of my database when I started. But I didn't know, and you only do a you So now yeah. I'm doing a lot better job of, of keeping track um, of those people. Cause, and those are really the, the easiest customers to work with because they already have a good recommendation from someone they trust. Um, and, you know, we already have like some common ground cause we know someone in common. So it, it's just, you know, referral business is my favorite. <laughs> I love it.
1: Same. Um, so yeah. what tools do you use to help navigate your business? Again, we've never had a real estate agent on, so I'm like, what do you <laughs> use in your business?
2: <laughs> so I use something called a CRM. It's a customer relationship management software. Mm-hmm. And so it's also kind of built into a website that I have. So I have the ability to do newsletters from there, um, to have like listing alerts set up for specific clients. They can log in, they have a profile, they can save listings. Um, so it's kind of like an online portal. And that really helps to, um, you know, to kind of keep them engaged every day and they have something to log on to and you know kind of keep that momentum going um what else do i use which crm do you use it's called market leader okay cool yeah it was my mom like jumped on that crm train like before everyone else did. i really have to hand it to her she had like the purview to to see like wow this is gonna be an important thing and so um you know, I, I use it every single day. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What other tools do I use? Uh, I use my Google Calendar a lot. <laughs> yes. <I> mean, we <laughs> we talk love about Google, Google here. Calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Google Calendar is everything. Um, I use Vimeo to upload. Like if I'm doing a really quick property tour for mm-hmm. someone who can't come in person, I'll usually just throw it on Vimeo Um, because that's the easiest. And um, in terms of a gimbal, I use like a DJI Osmo, I think is what it's called. Um, And that just kind of helps like stabilize everything. Um, And I there's this website called Inman that has really good real estate news. It has really good like tech updates in terms of, of new companies that are coming out that'll have like resources for realtors. So I try to check in men often um in our our mls system is pretty good at like posting statistics on new homes that are available what's gone under contract but sold um things like that and honestly i know it sounds so cheesy but i pretty much watch every real estate show on tv so i like to kind of compare how how things work in different cities <laughs> and to what you know what works here in orlando
0: so um i yeah. love those shows so i'm all oh about that God. life yeah
2: they're uh, so good sometimes they hurt
0: know. my feelings when i see like places and other like you know uh, states and stuff and like they're way cheaper than Orlando and I'm like no, oh, yeah. why like when when I see like stuff in Atlanta I'm like this hurts my feelings
2: <laughs> yeah yeah no, our prices have have gone up
0: crazy definitely yeah. uh, so what are your plans for the future with sell by Maria and how can our listeners support you and like where can they find you on the internet and stuff as well
2: um so you can find me on Instagram that's where I'm the most active. Um uh, my handle is sell by maria. Um s e l l b y maria. Um if you want to follow me online I love to chat in DMs with people and um you know love to interact that way. Um and if you know anyone that needs to buy or sell, you can send me a message. Um my plans are honestly I would love to scale this a bit bigger like I've gone to the point where it seems like I'm plateauing and I hate to say it, it's a plateau because it's not at all it's an incredible number at, at doing 50 transactions a year and I would love to just do a little bit more because I feel like I can like I feel like I still have the time and I can kind of leverage certain things um, out to be able to kind of produce a little bit higher scale so I'd love to just increase that number a little bit um, and yeah, I just want to continue to provide good service and, um, really continue to help first-time home buyers. and kind of, I feel like our society, especially for people our age, for millennials, they've made home buying so insurmountable because of the student debt, because of, you know, a lot of people graduated during the recession and so many things like that. And I just want to be able to show, uh, people and specifically millennials that, it's a lot more achievable than how everyone makes it out to be. So yeah. I love my that. My goal. Yeah.
1: I'm here for it. People go buy houses with Maria. She yes. needs a hundred houses sold this year. Go <laughs> follow her right now. Go buy a Thank house in Apopka. Like they're, they have pools. Go exactly. there own. <laughs>
0: And again, I love that you, you know, serve specifically a lot of millennials and entrepreneurs, because I do feel like there are two sets of people that, you know, like we're known for not buying homes. And I'm in both of those groups. <laughs> um, and a lot of people I know that are in those groups also don't have homes. So I do think that that's like a narrative we need to change. And I love that that's something yes. that you're like helping provide um, more information and knowledge on.
2: Yes, for sure. I'm very passionate about that. And I feel like people just like to crap on us, and I don't know why. (laughs) I'm like, we're
0: pretty awesome. We had, like, the best TV shows growing up. Like, you know, we, like, played outside, but also, like, knew the computer really well. Like, we're a very cool generation.
2: I don't know what everyone's issue is.
0: I love being a millennial.
2: Me too, and I feel like we're really kind of changing the dynamic on so much, like, happiness, friendship, what family means. Like, we're kind of Mm -hmm. really generations worth of um doing things a certain way and yes. now it's going to be different and yeah. so i i really like that um so yeah i just you know think if if you if you're willing and able And I kind of have a joke with my friends. Like that's like the only thing you need to be able to buy a house. If you're willing and able to like go through the process, we will find a way to make it work. So we will find a way for sure.
1: I love that so Uh, much. Yes. So we're (laughs) so excited and so thankful for you to come and give us the knowledge that we needed today, Maria.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful for you guys. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.